the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. So I want to hit the last three things that I wrote down about Netflix because I listened to the conference call. I own no shares of Netflix. Um, The competition is brutal. And they've already had a lead and their stock has already had a big run. I'm much more interested in Disney when I compare the two at current levels. But that doesn't say that you can't like something. Three big initiatives that are on um, Netflix's plate right now is obviously dealing with Vecna and his curse. No, no, no. Cracking down on password sharing. Netflix has everyone's last remaining tie to their ex by charging extra fees for non-household account users. In March, the company said it would start cracking down. They've expanded a program into five countries now. They started with three. More than 100 million households use a Netflix account that they don't pay for. And the streamers said that's a major drain on subscriber growth. And it does kind of upset me. And in large part, because I'm a content producer, I don't charge for this. I get a residual effect from it for sure. Um, but if I were charging for it, it'd be kind of uncool for you to share. I think an artist who paints a painting, a writer who writes a book. Um, I was shamed once when I went, met uh, an author and had him sign a book and he goes, ah, it looks well-worn. I said, yeah, all my friends have read it. He goes, ah, then I've got to know, I haven't been paid for all the people who've read it. It was a little arrogant. It was a little, yes. I'm like, well said. <clears throat> and it dawned on me, if I like the book, I should buy it for my friends. Number two, things that Netflix are working on. Crack down on password sharing. Number two, launch an ad-supported tier. That's coming in early 2023. Here's the kicker on this one. Brands are lining up because Netflix has a previously unreachable audience. And when you see 1.2 billion hours watched of Stranger Things, and you can see what else they've watched, you can start cracking the code. And that's where Netflix is going to be very, very strong, is that they know your habits. And the third thing that Netflix is working on is trying to make franchises. Netflix wants what Disney HBO has. So HBO's got Game of Thrones. There's a new version of Game of Thrones coming out next Sunday, I believe. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And it's a prequel. Maybe I'll watch. The first three seasons of Game of Thrones were so fun. The last three were kind of a pain to get through. Maybe the new show will be... Three great seasons and three horrible seasons. I don't know. Maybe they'll have learned their lesson. Have an end before you start the show. 
because that writer kind of hosed them and didn't finish the series while they were racing ahead. So Netflix wants a franchise. They kind of have it with Stranger Things where they're doing merchandise, they're doing spinoffs, they're doing in real life events in the hopes of creating their own Harry Potter or Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Now, Netflix is releasing a spy thriller starring Ryan Gosling, who he doesn't really do it for me. I know you're saying, who does do it for you, Rob? Who does do it for you? It's going to be called The Gray Matter. It comes out on Friday. It's getting amazing reviews. This is set up to be a competitive piece to James Bond, which Amazon has now. What's interesting to note, and it wasn't lost on me, is that James Bond was 007. Do you know the name of the character in The Gray Man? Six. Are you kidding me? And the answer is no, we're not. So you know who's a big winner on inflation? I put pen to paper yesterday while I was on conference calls. Um, Credit card issuers. Visa and MasterCard. Maybe a little American Express if you believe in small business in America. Every time you swipe your card... And I said credit card issuers. I should have said credit card networks. Correction. Every time you swipe your card, Visa and MasterCard get a piece of the action from that transaction. Road toll booth, so to speak. Back to school, merchants are going to cough up $2.5 billion to Visa and MasterCard. That costs the average family about 20 bucks. Here's where it gets creepy, deaky, weird is we know the highest cost of labor in retail. What is it? Highest cost of labor in business usually is what? Labor, right? Second highest cost of business for most industry are swipe fees. And as inflation grows, the swipe percentage, not the percentage, but the lease is getting more money. If your old steak used to cost 25 bucks, they'd get 1% of that. Now your new steak costs 27 bucks, they're getting 1% of it. So that puts pressure on the retailer to make their margins. And then the retailer goes, screw this, we're just going to raise prices. And we're going to pass it on to the consumer. Mortgage demand dropped to a 22-year low as higher interest rates and inflation crush home buyers. Yet... Prices set another record. June home sales fell 5.4% from May. So the sales are down. But the median price of an existing home sold in June set yet another record at $416,000, an increase of 13.4% year over year. Um, I've started looking at my retail and I've got uh, my homes. And if I were... To sell them now, the expensive high-end home is off its all-time high for what neighbors were paying for square footage. My low-end rental property in North Carolina um, is still gaining. So the low-end homes have probably upside. The high-end homes have many people been priced out of with the mortgage market being what it is. That's kind of interesting. Um, the United States government in all its wisdom, and you're going to say this is interesting. I think you're going to say this is interesting. The Senate advanced more than a $50 billion bill to boost the U.S. semiconductor production. 
And we've heard a lot about this. Nancy Pelosi's husband's invested in semiconductor companies and he's going to profit because he had inside. He didn't really have inside information. Well, maybe I'm not going to say he did or did it. But I'm going to say last year, the Senate approved a $250 bill for us to compete with China better on semiconductor production. So we've known about this. The fact that it's got stripped down from $250 billion to $50 billion is the interesting component to me. And I don't expect the media to fact check enough to say, well, everyone kind of knew about this, not just Nancy Pelosi's husband. With that said, I know how it looks. I know how it looks. I get it. It's not lost on me. The optics are pretty obvious. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. It's interesting because we're putting in a good July. Can we hold or do we get deeper into earnings season and panic, even though earnings are coming in better than expected? Next week, we get the Federal Reserve on Tuesday and Wednesday. Expect 75 basis point hike. But we know that. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Let's get right to Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Briefing.com is a reliable source of domestic and international news that you can use in a business sense. It's something I've been using for 20 plus years. It's been around a long time. It's a resource that I I find invaluable. Patrick, we missed you last week. You were on vacation with the family. Um, What's been happening the last week and a half to, to catch us up to speed? What do we need to know? Yeah, hi Rob. It's good to be back with you. Thank you. Um, the uh, well, the market's you know showing some more resolve here. Uh, it looks like it's had some fighting spirit. You know, following what was uh, widely reported as first, first half of the year since 1970 for the S and P 500, and so we're seeing, I think, uh, the vestiges of a you know of a bounce from an oversold condition, uh, and and of course this. Saw uh, well yesterday in particular how the market responded at E of A Global Fund Manager Survey, which uh, was a great contrarian uh, catalyst in that it did uh, equity allocations were the lowest they've been since Lehman Brothers crash, and that cash levels were at their highest since uh, since 9/11 in 2001. So what that implied to a lot of market participants is that there's plenty of pent up buying potential here. And uh, and I think we uh, saw an opportunistic trade yesterday to capitalize on that uh, possible contrarian catalyst coming to fruition. Are we getting to the point, because we never, I don't think we've gotten the capitulation. I don't think we've gotten the VIX up to 40 reading in a while. I don't think we've seen the earnings downgrades. In fact, the earnings are holding up so far so well through earnings season on what was expected versus what's being delivered. Can we possibly be at a bottom? Or do we need one of those, you know, major things like big job cuts or earning slashes or capitulation or stocks are dead on business weeks cover? Um, Could we just do a quiet bottom? (laughs) Uh, Well, we we price in a lot of a lot of bad news there in that first half of the year. Right. So the things that you're alluding to, uh, you know, we've been discussing, you know, now uh, in that you're likely to see more job losses. Uh, you're likely to see higher interest rates. Uh, you're likely you know, to see cuts to earnings estimates. So the market you know, is aware of these things, and I think that that's also been sort of the, the grounds for this, this rally we've been seeing unfold in July is that a lot of it was priced in, and so you're not seeing the same uh, negative reaction 
to what is, you know, bad news. Um, and uh, but we we think that, you know, you're likely to see this as being more of a um, of a technical bounce because the fundamental conditions really just are still not conducive to a sustained bull market move in our estimation. Uh, clearly, inflation has not been tamed. And granted, you know, there's some encouraging aspects in the drop we're seeing in commodity prices and the pull in even inflation rates. Uh, but, you know, look at where rents are likely going. Uh, you're likely to see a, a a, a very stubbornly high core uh, CPI for a while that's going to kind of keep the in the mix as a spoiler here and uh, probably not able to, you know, take its foot off the gas time soon. And, uh, and then on top of that, of course, you and I have discussed for weeks now uh, that, uh, and you alluded to it just a moment ago, that you really haven't seen any real major downward you know, revisions to earnings estimates. They're starting to come down, but there have been no material cuts. And, you know, and what's interesting is that, uh, you know, the outlook for the second half of the year uh, is, is still pretty rosy as it relates to the earnings growth outlook, according to FactSet, uh, looking at about 10% earnings growth in Q3, 9% Q4. Uh, and that's when you're going to start seeing, though, more of the, you know, the, the rate we've started to get here start to, you know, work themselves more into the economy. And uh, we think that that's a little bit, you know, optimistic here in terms of thinking that uh, things are going to hold up as well as they're projected to hold up on the front at, at this point. So this brings us to next week. We're in earnings season. You've captured that pretty well. We've got two weeks of intensity there. But Tuesday and Wednesday next week, the Federal Reserve is going to get together in what I refer to as rabble, and they're going to talk about all the different regions and what's going on. And Wednesday, they're going to announce their policy. In the last 30 days, they've talked maybe 100 basis points. They've set the expectations for 75. I'm starting to see stories on CNBC and Bloomberg and other financial markets that maybe the Fed goes soft. Maybe not at this meeting, but shortly thereafter, because it takes a while for the interest rate cuts to bleed into the market. Typically, six months after the first one starts, you start seeing the slowdown. So we haven't even seen the slowdown from the Fed. We've just seen the perceived slowdown coming. Like you said, inflation's still very high, but it's not expected to go slow until the interest rates really bleed in. Um, any chance you think the Fed's going to soften, or is this still going to be World War Three against the inflation numbers? Right. Well, I think the Fed's rhetoric will still you know, convey a World War Three type of... Uh, position because uh, it knows that it, it you know it, it really missed the mark on inflation frankly and it and it has got to get inflation under control uh, so the rhetoric you know will will continue to talk as minded uh, in our estimation uh, we do fully expect that they'll go 75 basis points at next week's meeting which is you know I was curious as I was coming off vacation and recognizing that uh, you're know, reading some of the reports and how the market Seem to like the idea that the Fed raised by quote only 70 basis points instead of 100 basis points. It kind of gives you a sense of you know where we've gotten to in, in this marketplace. Uh, but in any case, um, you know when I see reports this morning, you might have seen it too. I saw something on CNBC today talking about how you know Bitcoin is rallying now because of uh, you know the idea that there could be some relief in the fact that the Fed does you know soft its rate hike approach and 
you know, that's not, that's really not what you want to see at, at this point. You know, you, those animal spirits, you don't want, they can't, you know, they really shouldn't be picking up like that uh, anytime soon. It's almost you have this like sense of as soon as the Fed, you know, maybe takes its foot off the gas pedal that, you know, that it's off to the races for the stock market. And, and that I think is dangerous because, you know, the, the, again, the fundamentals here are still not aligned in a very constructive way because you can have lower earnings growth uh, if you have any earnings growth uh, in coming uh, quarters. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're out of the mindset yet that the Fed can, can really take its foot off the gas pedal, uh, knowing that there's a lag effect in terms of, you know, uh, rent factors into core CPI calculations. And so uh, we think that's going to continue to be pretty there uh, and that we're going to have to contend with a hawkish-minded Fed for, uh, for longer than most of us would like to hear. I think you're going to giggle when you hear me say this, but um, I'm looking at briefing.com right now and I look at it throughout my show. And then after I'm off, I take a six hour break and I come back to it after the market's closed. But at 1018 this morning, Eastern time, you posted Goldman Sachs CEO, David Solomon, CNBC interview, where he says small business have high concerns about upcoming recession. Inflation is very painful to small business. He thinks there's a 50% chance of recession over the next four months. I love bullet points like this. Do you look at briefing.com during the day or are you more focused in your strategist role? Oh, no, I, I, I pretty much every, what you're alluding to is on our live in-play page. And, and I, I am also the product manager. So I, I, I read everything that comes across that, that page uh, every day. So, uh, but I think to your, to your larger point though, Rob, is, I mean, you, there is a lot going on out there that, you know, what you and I watch the stock market and, you know, we see how we get these rallies like we saw yesterday and, you know, all the quote market pundits, you know, get all worked up as if it's, you know, the start of something big and, and all of that. But, you know, I think if you step beyond the stock market and you go outside wall street and you ask people how things are and where they think things are headed, I think, you know, Mr. Solomon, has captured it. There's a lot of concerns out there for small businesses. They're suffering a lot now from higher costs, uh, you know, difficulties in, in retaining labor, um, and and that you know are up against the idea that the economy is likely to slow because of these rate hikes, and therefore it makes it very difficult to plan in terms of inventory uh, and and what they think is coming down the pipe, and probably pull back on some of those capital spending plans they might have had out of a fear that we will get a recession if we don't get an actual recession. So the, the, the broader backdrop there is, is definitely very challenging right now for uh, a lot of people and a lot of businesses that uh, don't uh, uh, get involved directly with what happens on Wall Street on a day-to-day basis like you and I do. Sounds good. We have less than a minute. Is there anything that you want to plug, maybe an upcoming article or a thought? One of the things that, you know, that, uh, you know, we've heard these banks uh, that have reported their earnings, of course, they're all, uh, you know, raising their, their loan loss reserves. Uh, and so we think that you, know, you can see the groundwork being laid not only by the banks, but as we just talked to about uh, businesses for a slower economic environment. And so probably tease out some of those things that I've been seeing that suggest as much and why, uh, you know, why we have to be careful here about, you know, getting too worked up about these technical rallies like the one we saw yesterday. Thanks very much. It is briefing.com and Patrick O'Hare. He joins us every Wednesday at the same time. 
we post his work on our Facebook channels, our social media channels, but briefing.com can be found at briefing.com. The in play is the tab that I click regularly. And it just, every time something hits the wires, every time something hits CNBC, every time something hits Bloomberg, they're there to report it as breaking news, especially if it's something that can be useful. Um, they're just a great research house and you can find them at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. I've always enjoyed talking with Patrick Kerr. I'll miss that one day, but uh, it's been a great career. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm not going to say this is the greatest financial show ever, but let's just say the Smithsonian's knocking on my door asking for it. First three segments have been out of this world. Can I finish it off? I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. Lumber prices are looking for direction as the housing market finally slows and easing of mortgage rates had helped boost lumber prices in early July, but those gains have tapered off as home builder confidence has cratered. Mortgage rates have skyrocketed. The numbers inside of real estate deserve to be hit a little bit more. The median existing home price for all housing types increased 13.4% year over year, representing the 124th consecutive month of year over year gains. That's the longest running streak on record. The median price for single family homes increased 13.3% year over year. Um, existing home sales in the Northeast unchanged, in the Midwest down 1.6%, in the South down 6.2%, in the West down 11.1%. Sales are dropping, but prices are still increasing. The inventory of homes for sale, this is a big one. Um, inventory and day sales outstanding. Day sales outstanding when the company gives you a product and you try it, but you don't buy it. So it's a sales cycle. Uh, when it starts getting up to 90 days, there's a good chance you're never going to pay for it. Same thing with existing homes. There's inventory. At two to four months of inventory, it is a seller's market. At four to six months of inventory, it is a buyer's market. Over six months of inventory, it's a massive discount of prices and it's a buyer's market. We're at three months right now. That's not much. Still in theory, a seller's market. But what's interesting to note is it's moving towards the direction of a more balanced market. And we could get there pretty quickly with the recent jump in mortgage rates because the recent jump in mortgage rates aren't reflected in the new home sales yet or the existing home sales. I, I forgot to say that correctly. When I said new, I was like the, the freshest reading and not brand new homes. So existing home sales are telling us that people are slowing down their sales. And that doesn't even factor in yet the fact that interest rates jumped two months ago. So the numbers that are closing now closed when rates were lower. Housing's going to hit a skid. If this trend plays out for another month, you're going to start seeing it. Um, all cash sales comprise 25% of transactions. That's unchanged from May and up 23% in, since, uh, since June 2021. First-time buyers accounted for 30% of sales, up from 27% and down from 31% in June. 
88% of homes sold in June were on the market for less than a month, with properties typically remaining on the market for a record low 14 days, down from 16 days in May. Still very, very much so a seller's market. But the trend is moving quickly against it. When I was talking to Patrick O'Hare, we talked about some of the stuff that I'm seeing on the InPlay page. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon has given us a big picture with an interview with CNBC today, saying small businesses have high concerns about an upcoming recession. He said inflation is very painful to small businesses. He thinks there's a 50% chance of recession over the next 24 months. David Solomon thinks consumers are still in a reasonably good shape, but the Fed's tightening and that should change. He talked about Russia being very isolated. He expects that to continue. And finally, his bullet note was the company will continue to work with energy companies. So oil's not going away anytime soon. That is very, very worthy of note, in my opinion. Now, what else can we squeeze into this segment to make it magical, as Tim Cook would say? This is interesting. Um, you know how we've been seeing mergers and acquisitions in college football this year? where the conferences are changing very aggressively. UCLA and UC, USC are merging into a nonsensical sports conference for the allure of bigger payouts. It's freaking out a lot of governors because it looks bad that you lost the Pac-12 on your watch. Higher education is embracing M&A, though, too. Boston's Northeastern University acquired Oakland-based Mills College prestigious women's school mills which was teetering on permanent closure is a quintessential acquisition target a small expensive and somewhat lesser known private school failing to maintain financial grades as students flock to brand new universities and cheaper state schools or they're just skipping college altogether this is where the the data gets very interesting on college college enrollment fell to just 16.2 million this year it's down from 19.6 million in the spring semester of 2011 now, what that tells me is America is not getting dumber. Maybe they're getting wiser about how they're spending money. But our workforce is going to be less highly qualified. Our workforce does something that I love. They pay taxes. Because I want to get to Social Security and smoke a cigar on a beach. And I want that tax money to come from the U.S. government and not from my paycheck. So far, over 200 schools in the nation have closed for good in the past decade roughly four times higher than the prior 10 years. 95 college mergers have been completed in the past four years, a massive increase. Prominent examples include Philadelphia-based St. Joseph University. They acquired the neighboring University of Sciences in Boston College, which agreed to acquire fellow Boston school Pine Manor College. So the small specialty schools that were there to develop degree programs that maybe didn't have a football team or a basketball team. They're, they're, they're not making it. So universities are struggling with labor and employers are embracing alternative avenues for post-high school education. I think Google, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft all should start a tech university where they pay you to come there and they give you an education. You give them five to 10 years of service like the military. I'm being a little bit ludicrous there, but I think it would work. Right now, 10% of Americans in low-wage hourly positions have upgraded to highly skilled tech jobs. You know how? 
watching online videos. YouTube's changing the world in a funny way. Highly specified online course certifications. Who needs boring lectures when Google could teach you anything, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Interesting. We had a massive big update yesterday. Massive. And it came without a company failing or imploding. It came without a stimulus talk. It came without a whoosh down came without job cuts it just oh technically we've been oversold and we've been saying that for about a week how far can we get till we start getting back to reality of pe's and the federal reserve meeting next week and oh yeah that thing called inflation which every time there's an inflation headline we're going to be cringing is it nice to see that we're oversold yes okay um all the markets are higher today but the NASDAQ's rocking higher. So there's kind of a rotation going back into mega cap tech. To give you an idea, yesterday at this time, I looked at all my stocks and I said out of 20 stocks, all 20 were up. Now 18 are up. It's nice. I'm not going to get arrogant. I'm not going to get cocky. I'm not going to say this end is over. If it is, it is. I'm stoked. Netflix had a strong quarter. No, 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 no. Netflix had not a disastrous quarter. They surprised in its second quarter earnings report, announcing it only lost 970,000 subscribers after previously warning it could shed as many as 2 million. Stranger Things has been watched over 1.3 billion hours since it launched in late May for season four. The Senate has advanced more than a $50 billion bill to boost U.S. semiconductor production. This is of note because it gets into the play of Nancy Pelosi's husband and how media got on that story and won't let it go. And I get it. It feels like everything's working against us. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the truth of the matter is, is that this time last year when Biden was putting together economic stimulus packages, he wanted $250 billion. So we already knew a package was likely being put together. And then Joe Manchin kind of a Democrat in name only, a dino. I know you're saying, please don't become a rhino and a dino. Um, he's like, nope, I'm not signing any of this stimulus because there's too much inflation. And maybe he was right. But a $50 billion bill is being pushed forward way less than the $250 billion deal. Is that the catalyst that's pushing tech stocks higher? I can't imagine. Tesla's earnings are out today. They're going to be dramatic. June home sales fell 5.4% from May. That's the bad news. The good news, if you own a home, prices went up. Mortgage cost went up. And these home sales that fell from May, they don't factor in that mortgage rates started moving higher in May. Then you sign a contract to close and it takes 30 to 60 days until it's closed. So we have not even seen the higher mortgage rates hit the real estate numbers. The really higher rates. So if I were to do a prediction, um, what's ahead for the next three months for mortgages and real estate? Just because the Fed is likely to raise interest rates 75 basis points next week, 
I would say that mortgages are going to get drier, like the Sahara, like the United States, like the planet right now. A lot of really important shipping lanes over in Europe are drying up. And I said shipping lanes, and ships typically need water underneath them, but the shipping lanes are drying up because of the hot summer. And when I say hot summer, I'm not talking about the, the men and the women wearing skimpy clothes and getting all crazy hormones sexed up and, and oh, then the abortion issue comes in and no, oh, then they don't get sexed up. And no, I'm not talking that kind of hot summer. I'm talking about the hot summer where it's 104 and a half degrees in London. Wow. That's a hot summer. So. The last thing that I want to say about new home sales or existing home sales, excuse me, tomorrow's new home sales. The existing home sales inventory is starting to rise. It's still three months and prices tend to rise until mortgages, uh, until the sales of homes available. Three months of inventory means if not one more home goes on sale today, it'll take three months for us to use up all that inventory at the current sales pace. The current sales pace is down which is kind of skewing the statistic of how big of a jump there is in the inventory. Activity continues to be stronger on the higher end of the market where there's more supply. Sales of homes priced between 100 and 250,000 were 31% lower annually. Sales of homes priced between 750,000 and 1 million increased by 6%. Sales of homes priced over 1 million rose by 2%. The upper end appears to be weakening as annual comparisons in recent months were much higher. I did something that was kind of neutral last year. I sold a home and I bought a home. I sold a home in an overpriced hot market. I bought a home in an overpriced hot market. Kind of a sideways risk play, except for I increased the amount of equity. And that makes me a little nervous. But you know what? I have time. So... That's the existing home sales numbers. College enrollments are trending lower. I thought this was a fascinating story um, that we see USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 and going to richer, more fertile, bigger payouts in other conferences. But a lot of small colleges in the United States are starting to fail. And it's kind of catching momentum. And I think the big winner is going to be Google and YouTube as we start kind of an online university. And if YouTube were to start an online university, do you think it would do well in the United States? I do. I think more tech companies need to embrace training their employees that they want for highly skilled positions. Um, let's take a look at some of the other stories out there. Warren Buffett said he doesn't buy real estate. Most investors probably shouldn't have either. Now, Warren Buffett is one of the richest men on the planet. He's one of the greatest investors of all time. He's outperformed the S&P 500 over the past 20 years by almost 85%. Um, he doesn't buy real estate. Buying and managing real estate is more of a business than it is an investment. And Buffett knows that his time is better spent choosing companies to invest in than running a real estate business. Um, I own one rental property. And I let another company manage it because I don't have time for that. When they say, hey, we need a new toilet or a new air conditioner, I'm like, do it. I'm like, anything you want to do to it, do it. Don't even bother asking me. You want to power wash it, power wash it. Just get the rent every month. Keep the tenant happy. Try to get a tenant for a long time. I don't want turnover in tenants. I pay a lot of money, 8% of the, of the monthly fee. 
or that privilege of someone else making the decisions for me. But then again, I don't have to deal with a tenant who's like, eh, ma, the water's not hot. I'm like, did you turn on the one that has H on it? I don't have to go through that. And I'm glad that I don't. Broad-based rally today. Fed meets next week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Could that be a market killer? Or do we already know it? This is an example of a demon known very likely. We know inflation. Blah, 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 inflation. We know higher interest rates. Blah, 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 higher interest rates. Um, now, we've, in the last meeting, we talked about will be 75 basis points or 100 basis points. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about that. Unless it's 200, we're not going to be shocked. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, it's just, it's a game that takes a while to, pl- to kill inflation. It doesn't happen instantaneously or overnight. Man, NVIDIA is hot right now. That is a stock that has rebounded nicely. Oh, dead cat bounce? Or is the bottom end? And we're going for the high flyers first. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.